everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Wig Talks, the Brilliant or Bust podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Object Matrix, Vidi Spine, and Zixi. Today, the Wig Talks crew is discussing how 5G technology is affecting the media industry. Here is Jonathan Morgan of Object Matrix, Ben Davenport from Vidispine, Eric Bolton of Zixi, Steve Charmon with the Workflow Innovation Group, and me, your host, Christy King. Let's get to it. What does this mean to people in the media industry? What does 5G do for us? Steve, what do you think about that? It's almost the final missing piece of the puzzle because so many of so much of what we are where we're trying to go requires ubiquitous connectivity, ubiquitous, very high bandwidth, you know, potentially low latency um connectivity as well i mean i've just uh, had um fiber put into the house um back in back in january first I'm time so i got jealous. Like, i know it's brilliant but this but this is a thing it kind of, the the fact that you can both upload and download at um a, a really high capacity just makes the whole idea of uh, of working from home dis- distributed workflows it makes it feel possible whereas you know we've for years and years, we've kind of done this thing where people go, "Oh yeah, well you can, you, you know, you'll capture on your P2 card and then upload the um, upload the rushes from uh, in your hotel room," which is we all know is a load of old tosh, because we've never had the you know you can't even do your email from a hotel room. Never mind about upload um, upload rushes. If you've got 5G, you can. I remember going to DPP meetings before it became the sort of the the the, the world-beating behemoth that it now is. And um, and all these folks were off in the corner, sort of banging on about connectivity, and um, and and I was sitting there thinking, this is really dull. But actually, I'm, I'm kind of starting to admit to myself that they were right. It is a really important part of the picture. And it's not just today, you know. And yay, it's neat. Everybody has fander, faster speeds. Although, as Steve just said, that has value, a lot of value to those of us. But I think all of us are going to be affected by this in a fairly deep way. Is that not true, Eric? Definitely, it's a thing. 5G is an entirely new addition. You know, as Steve points out, you definitely get more bandwidth. You have this promise of unbelievably low latency. Um, you know, we Zixi did a survey on what kinds of B2B uses there would be in November of last year, about across a couple of hundred executives with streaming media. And about 13% said it would be a contribution case, which we sort of expected. Another 14 on sort of business to business transmission, a surprising 24% said they would be in distribution. And then of course there's the direct to consumer because once you're on a radio network, it's a pretty short hop and the in venue stuff and the experiential immersive things are going to be big. Um, we started doing some early POCs with a big client and that turned into a production pilot that's going to go to 500 cable head ends uh, in this quarter. So we've been running and really doing and working deeply with our partners on this project of Verizon and Amazon. But I think that that idea of um, how a, a content company, a cloud company, a carrier, the cellular network and the consumer are all gonna come together. So I, it's, gonna, it's, it's a very large addition of network capacity, but it's gonna be disruptive in satellite. It's gonna be accretive to IP terrestrial and it's gonna impact CDN. So it's gonna have a lot of different impacts across the spectrum of business models. And then you jump over to the production side with untethered production and studio everywhere constructs that we were talking about. 
One of the things that was sort of interesting to me in, when I was doing a little bit of research about what 5G could mean to the to the B2B side of the media industry is, as always, when there's a change coming to an industry, there's always this huge projection of growth, right? Because then all the investors get all excited and everybody gets all excited about these new revenue opportunities. But I think it's obvious that something else is getting displaced. But what are some of the things that could potentially shrink? Or what are the parts of the industry that maybe will slow down or become irrelevant? The nature of 5G, it's running on C-band. So there's certainly the satellite C-band distribution services will be impacted. But I think satellite as like a contribution uplink has been under pressure for a long time and only now is available at the top tier stuff and everybody's pretty comfortable with IP contribution. Uh, 5G is just going to mean you have huge access to one gig, two gig kind of things. And you're going to be able to do 4K in a way you couldn't, and 8K in a way you couldn't. Um, but I think that the, the difference will be you're going to be creating, you'll have some cannibalization of legacy methods, but you're going to be adding in new capabilities. Like going to a venue is going to become, why do people go to see a football game? And why will people go to a baseball game? Because there'll be an infrastructure there that won't be at your house. Because you'll be able to actually see AR and VR and connect and take tailgating to some other level that you couldn't imagine. And of course, within that, with all the content, will be a plethora of advertising opportunities and ways for people to monetize that. You know, if, if you're sitting in a car in a taxi or in an Uber, you're going to have access to signals that, you know, you're not getting Wi-Fi in your cab, but you will be getting 5G and you will be getting targeted low latency ads. And if you need to, maybe you'll be gambling on your way to the office, but you're going to have a lot of opportunity to spend some money. <laughs> oh, oh dear. <laughs> I, I would add to that. Um, not only is it going to add um, capability and capacity and reach that we haven't previously had, but we're also going to see it to answer your question, replace something. So where we may have previously used Wi-Fi, it may be that actually 5G gives you much more there. So not only does it give you much more, it can connect more devices, it has uh, better network splitting, it has um, low latency. Latency can go down to a millisecond in some cases. Um, you can see uh, on private networks built on 5G, you get speeds up to 10 gig of throughput. So actually um, 10 gig of uh, byte of throughput even. So um, where in the past you, you you were perhaps limited by something like a Wi-Fi technology, it gives you much more to the point where you may not even want to have your Wi-Fi anymore. You may just have a, a private 5G network being put into areas where previously other technologies would have been used. Mm -hmm. It actually feels like a sort of genuine additive technology, doesn't it? We've got technology which is actually filling in a gap as opposed to, to one which is necessarily displacing things because, there's, you know, as Eric says, that those things which are kind of being displaced, like maybe satellite uplink, were kind of being displaced anyway for um, cost and flexibility. We don't often see a, a technologies which are kind of genuinely additive in the broadcast sector. We often see this kind of messy thing where things are sliding in and uh, we've got a big issue to, to work out how on earth we kind of let them coexist for ages and then um, and, and then eventually phase out the old stuff. Whereas this, this, this actually feels like a new enabler. 
people have been talking about this for as being a um being a thing for ages i go yeah really it's it's just mobile isn't it and then when you actually kind of once you experience genuine kind of high bandwidth connectivity you're thinking no actually it's not just it's not just another mobile actually it's a um, there are far wider implications at kind of all parts of the, the content chain maybe one of the things that i read a lot about was the potential for new advertising revenue which i imagine is of paramount importance to anyone in the media industry increased revenue is always good for everybody but the exponential change in bandwidth availability also as steve you talked about earlier it's not just that you can upload things faster is that it's the exchange of information is faster so that means a lot more data about the people you're serving so to that end that to me says okay then that means we're generating a heck of a lot more content so media providers aren't just making longer shows or bigger shows or different versions of shows, but there's actually a way to embed a whole lot of content into the content, advertising sponsorship into the content, which means you're actually creating shows that can be personalized to those who are watching, maybe even down to the individual. All of that, to your point, takes a huge amount of bandwidth to pull that off and also an awful lot of sophistication on the side of media providers. That seems like it would affect all of you and all of your businesses. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I love some of the capacity. I mean, Eric just spoke about 10 different ways, that, probably more that this technology can be used. And, and one of them that he touched on very quickly was in stadium. Mm. Now, if I'm in a stadium and I'm a normal spectator, but I have this device in my hand, hand and it's, it's a phone, and suddenly it can be connected to my 5G private network in the stadium. I can be looking up content, I can be replaying action, I can be getting um, views from the other side of the stadium in real time. I can I could be looking up um, stats and everything else. And that's an amazing opportunity for people to advertise to me. So. It not only um, opens up, if you like, new ways of doing old things, but actually a whole new way to be advertised to within all of that. It's the opportunity to en enrich the experience, isn't it? As well, it's the it's the engage the additional engagement. You've got all those opportunities to to kind of put more advertising in front of people, but you've also got that whole thing about watching the TV and while simultaneously maybe watching another match or different views from a match, the same match on the on the mobile and and consuming the stats and and it's all about kind of engaging those people more. We all say that we're all really you know we're keen to get back into sports and back into stadiums but um but yeah you know, are we really because you know it, it's it's actually quite nice to be at home with a with a beer and is this uh, is the experience um through the outside experience as well as the advertising part of something which is going to, to kind of pull us in what do you think ben i think that's a, a, a cracking point I and mean, we're sort of going away from the monetization topic here but how how much is what's happened in the last 18 months going to start impacting the roadmap for 5g in that we're not as mobile as we were 18 months ago it's it's less of a challenge and and yeah there's definitely some some interesting opportunities that might attract us back to to, to venues and i think that's that's pretty exciting but is that what we were geared up for 
and and maybe yeah, back to you, Eric. I mean, how much have you seen the roadmap for five G sort of disrupted in the last eighteen months as 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 we've not been moving around so much? Well, I could say that it, <clears throat> the immediate disruption was trying to get people into physical innovation labs and testing as we were rolling this out. So we had to get people on site to do things. Uh, and that was a little more challenging. Um, but I think from the roadmap and even talking, we were pretty much ready to ink a very large deal with a certain set of cinema chains to roll out live contribution to the cinemas. So people need to see movies, but you know, it's about how do you keep capacity while you have a, an external Black Swan event in a pandemic, you have a larger demographic issue if you're a professional sports team in that a lot of the younger generation, millennials and Gen Z, not particularly excited about going to the venue uh, the way that we were all raised. And that's a huge amount of revenue to all these different teams. And I think seeing certain CEOs, I saw a CEO of IMAX was predicting just a complete rush. Like the, the pent up demand is fairly high. so what the new normal becomes and how this all settles out remains to be seen. Uh, you know, ironically, people really want to go on cruise lines. I wouldn't be my first choice, but this is what they want to do. And I think they're going to want to really like shared experiences. People get out. Um, but back to what I was saying, the plans that I can see is that the infrastructures, like you said, the what's going to make you go to a, to a sporting event or a concert and be able to connect as a fan and as an experience and you know this, this can this this works its way right into an nft like you go to this event and next thing you know you're recording your entire day out with your family and these are really big money experiences you know you go to a, a baseball game in boston for the red sox and that's a 400 event for a family of four maybe 500 so it's not it's not small but how do you make that experience super memorable? And then how do you make it relevant to kids that don't really even watch live sports? They wanna know how does it tie off to my fantasy league or how does it tie off to um, you know whatever sports that I play on my video game? So the, the, the cross pollinization of this is gonna be interesting. And it goes back, back to the money. If you have the infrastructure, you can do really interesting things. And we're about to have that infrastructure. That's, and that's kind of where I, where I keep thinking about it is, you know, again, coming from the content creation side where I spent most of my career is it's, you know, every time there's a leap forward in technology, it's there's sort of like half fear. Oh, God, everything's going to change and half excitement. Oh, God, everything's going to change. <laughs> and this feels like another one of those moments. Steve, to your point, it does feel like a big deal. It doesn't feel like a, a like having a ton of bandwidth it feels like a big deal. And I think it's because we've had just enough to be able to do some things, but then be able, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, right? Like how many times have we stood around at conferences or whatever and said, wouldn't it be cool if we could just, right? And so I feel like the 5G thing gives content creators now really interesting combination of, of uh, data business intelligence, data analytics, some real cool, interesting exchange down to the individual user possibly especially in the mobile world because they've logged in and you know them right mm. especially inside of an app at a football game or whatever then you have this other side which is if it's a gen z you can't just feed him a commercial and as i've talked about with uh, some of you in other podcasts 
a Gen Z person doesn't want to see a commercial or any kind of advertisement that isn't accurate to their interests, right? They're annoyed if it's not their thought process or their interest. So that means it's incumbent upon content creators to have maybe pre-produced and stored and ready to be inserted a variety of different ways to message someone in the moment when it's relevant. So if you think about all the behind the scenes stuff that has to be in place in order for that to work, you have data integration, you have um, content delivery mechanisms, you've got to have trigger mechanisms to serve an ad or serve a sponsor thing or, or start up a game. or And then the, the thing that I was laughing about is there's this hilarious piece of information I ran across today that said there's a real potential for the introduction of haptics where you pay by the sensory input. And of course, I had all sorts of immediately inappropriate thoughts about this. I'm thinking clearly the porn industry is the one that started down this path because that's where a whole bunch of interesting ideas come from. But it was really interesting to me to start thinking about how many things you could divide up in pieces. Like whether it's the edge computing where they were saying 1% of users will pay the premium to get the top you know, da data mm -hmm. bandwidth in and out. Well, that's probably true for providers as well. Does that become a perk? And if you've got a haptic suit on and you only wanna pay for sight but not touch, I started really thinking about how much nickel and diming could kind of go on to this world, both at the consumer side and businesses, you know, that we'd have to kind of be careful maybe not to nickel and dime the development of all this process as well. So Yeah. I mean, there's all, we're always, I, I suppose the, um, you know, the, the um, WIG podcast is, um, is exploring the, um, the innovation to the, um, the overall uh, media industry brought by porn over the ages. <laughs> that's actually been the case, um, although we, we don't really admit it, <laughs> the mass distribution and so on. But I think, I think you, you, you're actually, you, you're touching, excuse that, <laughs> on something which is, which is actually really interesting because that, that kind of that high bandwidth and um, and low latency actually it, it brings that complex interaction really close to you because if you think about um, things like the you know, personalized experience we yeah you know, we we know that for example um, the the real time photo realistic rendering with game engines is now a big big thing for um, for, for, for content creators and when you've got to kind of do something in the moment to send it somewhere to be processed for a long time and then brought back that isn't compatible with a real-time experience when you've got a, a low latency link to to almost kind of be in that world and generate things which are kind of relevant to you here and now whether it's kind of um, visual or haptic or whatever and brought back with an advert in it because with 5g you're there in the kind of the cloud or on the on-prem whatever it is you're next to the game engine that as a content creator that surely gives you a whole bunch of, of opportunity to think about things that might be might be possible i think you know one of the one of the um, one of one of sort of big things here is to get people to kind of challenge themselves around how do we get a step change out of this how do you how do you not just kind of do a bit more of what we currently do and how do you kind of use this opportunity to, to really drive some innovation, both in advertising and, and monetization, but also in, in, in kind of the, the nature of what a rich experience is? Being a bit of a negative Nancy, though, just for, for a minute, I think if anything we've learned over the last five years is that content itself is the key thing. And yeah. it, the quality doesn't actually matter that much anymore. I mean, yes, yeah, sure, things that are 
a visually or um, you know generally more immersive and more pleasant in some ways, but actually that's not going to grab us and make us engage with that content. It, it's it's the person or the ideas around that content. And I, I mean, I, you can go down some weird rabbit holes on like YouTube and other video platforms these days, you know, with with different kinds of content. And, and you know, it's content you're not created, curated for you in the same way these days. And I, and I do wonder, you're right. How do we avoid it? Just just being another step in one direction versus being something that we can really get the most from. I think it has some interesting other attributes. I saw a couple of things. I was on a panel with our good friends at BT Sport, and they were definitely um, projecting a very interesting future, quite literally. So holographic displays and how like there was you know, one guy in the stadium and his buddies are back at home and they can see the sport visualized. So you're going to get your R2-D2 Princess Leia of the future stuff happening. Um, but at the, and then on the other side of the coin, you know, what does gaming mean and what does gambling mean when you're a little late and seeing you can be in a venue or you go to a sports book and have, you know, ubiquitous access to all of this stuff. Um, I, I think that the, uh, the rollout, the amount of money that's being put into this is quite enormous. You know, I yeah. mean, I know it's public records that I've, you've got Verizon spent almost 20 billion beefing up its fiber backbone to support only 5G and spent another 50 billion plus on buying Spectrum and AT&T and the like will be doing all similar. Um, China has completely cleared out the C Spectrum to make 5G a fundamental strategic asset. Um, and it's going to have you know, while it hits media and entertainment, it just has a much broader impact on manufacturing and industrial mm -hmm. AR, VR, and, you know, just a, a crazy amount of larger applications. Um, things like we talked about the autonomous vehicles and how does that play out into a day-to-day -day life? Like if you've got a consumer cycle now where people don't really do what I did when I was growing up, where you move out of your house at 18 and buy a television set, get some milk crates and some lawn furniture and call it your first apartment. People are now don't buy the car. They don't buy the TV set. They don't subscribe to traditional monetized broadcast services. Um, and as Christy loves to beat the data drum, it's, it is going to finally really be there. And you're going to have like, we had a television industry based on this random thing called the Nielsen ratings which we never even knew if someone was in the living room and watching it. And now you're going to have real-time geospatial data and understand how crowds move and people consume and take this thing down to very specific. So in the U.S., it's, I heard was, I've been hearing a lot more rumblings on the mythical ATSC 3.0, which we've all been kind of waiting for. And it was all, is it marketing hype? Is it this? Well, 5G actually provides the hub and spoke for that in a way you never did. And all of a sudden in the mid mid America in Iowa, Nebraska, you're going to be able to get 25 megabit signals to someone's home when they've never seen that. And all you need is a simple little data path back and I'll be able to completely tune that programming and completely tune that app. And, and this stuff's, it's not like the move of our ancient SD to HD and took 15 years and our complete misstep into ill-founded 3D ideas that made everybody sick. This is going to be like a big ubiquitous, I can put programming out there. I mean, I'm watching the National Hockey League already do its cloud virtualization, but adding in big 4K screens that will suddenly become 8K, 
and you're going to be able to just put out a plethora of programs that can be packaged and repackaged in ways that uh, just would have been cost prohibitive or just basically infrastructurally impossible. And right now, if you're a public companies and making this, everybody is chasing this very hard because you've got a entire consumer migration that's kind of somewhat disinterested unless you make it really compelling. And I agree with you, Ben, that the storylines and you have to have it. But look what the movie industry became. Uh, Martin Scorsese not happy with their like one big roller coaster ride. I'm pretty sure broadcast television's heading in that same direction. Yeah, and I keep thinking about, okay, what does that mean that the media vendor industry should be thinking about right now? One of the statistics I saw was that you will have a true challenge to at-home bandwidth by 2028. Wireless, the bandwidth availability is going to be there to truly challenge at-home internet connectivity by 2028. What is it that the industry should be doing or thinking about or planning or buying? And I mean everything, storage, delivery, ad insertion, metadata, you know, what are, what are all these vendors? What should they be thinking about and doing? How real is this stuff? First of all, not where I live, I suspect, um, given that we've barely got 4G. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this isn't just about media and entertainment. This this affects all industry, and therefore there's going to be, have to be a slight cultural change, or, or there will be a cultural change as a result. Um, and we've we've already seen this this shift to work anywhere kind of methodologies, where I mean I can work anywhere more or less. But but we're going to have to put that in for media organizations as well and and they're going to have to facilitate that i think that's really important not least because one of the the things that comes from that kind of global work anywhere thing is access to the talent which goes back to the you know the comment i made before access to the content and i think that's that's really important for media organizations making sure you have an infrastructure whatever that is that enables your your workforce your talent to be wherever they need to be to create that content and and that's not as, as obvious as it might seem, you know, okay, remote working, so you can have a 5G card and you can finally take that footage off your camera and upload it really quickly, great, but actually there's way more to it than that, enabling access to content from wherever they are so they can search and um, catalog or whatever else. And I think, yeah, that, that's gonna be a, a, a big shift that we've already started to see in the last year, but I think will continue. Because from from one perspective, you know, when, you, when, you're, old, when you're as old as me, 2028 is tomorrow <laughs> but um in terms of cycle 2028 is is, is an age away so it, it will be interesting to see how it grows it's taken a long time for example for uh, the content companies to to get comfortable with the idea that um that you know for example their their content is in you know the public cloud um and um and and it's safe there and uh, and we, we can all get together and um and work on it i think in order to, to, to kind of make the most of, um, of ubiquitous connectivity, we've then got to start, we've really got to start thinking about what does things like security mean? Because you, you, know, you, you, you sure as heck don't want to be in a position where, oh, well, I need to, to kind of log on to my VPN client and, um, and, um, and, and do X, Y, and Z before I can start to, to work with that content. You, you, we've got to think about so, you know, almost zero touch security. There will be, a lot of folks out there thinking about so how do we make the how do we make the the most of the experiences that we can uh, that we can build um, so yeah, there'll, there'll be those early adopters um, 
able to to build stuff um, in places we know there's going to be five G. Um, and I think there's, there's 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 then the parallel track, or there there should be a parallel track of um, of how do we get all the all the boring but important stuff in place. You know, we we've often it seems stepped ahead on the on our ability to deliver interesting stuff to consumers, but our back office um, remains kind of um, twenty years old. And I think I think the two th- the two things have got to accelerate and and and, and grow in the at same speed, same proportion. One of the things that uh, I heard mentioned earlier was broadcasters and and haven't heard since because it's not broadcasters, right? It's media organizations, it's media facilities, it's anybody producing media, anybody who wants to um, use media to enhance a experience. So when you talk about how do people get ready for this, this is everywhere. This is museums, this is stadiums, this is um, anywhere where media can enhance an experience is going to be relevant for getting ready for how do we use this technology going forwards. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, as an aside, maybe NAB should be changed to NAMO or something because uh, <laughs> it's, it's not broadcast anymore, right? It's it's about everywhere and every everything. Yes, it's about making um, old things more relevant to uh, Gen Z or Gen Z. Um, but it's also the other way. It's about making things ready and better for that generation for themselves as well. So if you go to an esports event, am I going to look at my phone and be able to see in action play from the person I want to be watching? You know, uh, or am I just stuck on the screen that's in front of me? So how do we prepare for that? What do we put into place to make that happen? It is the hardware, it's the software, it's the content uh, producers, the content editors, it's the whole spectrum. And actually it just makes our industry more exciting, more uh, touching more areas and, and expanding out what actually media can mean to people's lives in a day-to-day way. It's projected that 5G means there's sub uh, 10 millisecond, if not a single millisecond in latency. What things does that sub 10, sub one millisecond latency mean for, for the media industry next year, as opposed to my mythical 15 years from now? Look, we talk about this, the, the, the milliseconds of latency are going to be very, very low. There's no question about that. Uh, single digit will be fairly confined to certain specific conditions um you know you're not i mean we've been running it in real life and as advertised you'll see sub 100 but considering you're dealing in seconds and things right now when you get below 30 milliseconds the network's going faster than our human brains are actually processing what i'm saying right now then that means that things literally could quote read your mind because the predictive analytics would be ahead of you uh, on front of that. So that, that's something to be thought about. But the um, the coordination and the management of that, I mean, I, I go back to things like gambling as a straight up place to look at. Uh, in the American sports realm, NFL expects that it'll get about $2 billion of a bump, baseball about $1.5 billion, and NBA and NHL an additional billion-ish. So that's an awful lot of revenue um, to 
an industry that's not, I wouldn't say maxed out, but it's interesting as how pricing and pieces keep going Wait, up. Wait, and... where are they getting the, the, where are they getting the extra revenue from? From gambling? What, Damn. where, oh, it's from gambling. Okay, so if the latency is that small, then gambling becomes real in venue at the, uh, at the- Well, it becomes in venue and it becomes in Vegas, but mostly it becomes in game. Like you could literally sit there and bet on the next pitch and you can bet on which player will, I'm, I'm third and down in an American football game and I can say, throw a run and then I'm gonna do it either way. And I can call which player and then it ties to fantasy. I mean, you just get into some very, exotic ways that you could put together you know the mon the monetization of this that said this brings me back and i am a raving optimist and push all this stuff out but having lived through the dot-com world and remembering when we were debating you know lean forward versus lean back television and the pc was never going to take over well that debate kind of got settled um but there is a limit as to how much you can saddle a consumer with you know, any experience no matter how good it is, people don't have unlimited wallets. I mean, you're only trying to, you know, the cable bill kind of still in the U.S. has to sit no higher than $300 a month for people who are like, I'm not, even now, you're losing that with the cord cut and the cord never and the now always untethered kind of world. Like one of the things that's always driven the broadcast world crazy was I'm, looking at one television and I can see the game here and I see the next television and then that thing doesn't go off in a synchronized way. 5G will give you ways to synchronize things so that people are having common experiences even when they're dispersed. And you're gonna be able to synchronize signals in a much better way. That helps for certain things so that I don't hear the, the goal was scored in my neighbor's apartment before I know what I saw on my screen. All public space is about to become a broadcast arena, and and where's it you can touch with people and do that across crowds because of the latency issue. That gets interesting, and we're going to see what people consider entertainment. Like, if I tried to explain to this group ten years ago what esports was, and that you're going to say, no, this is a broadcast of people playing video games. It's not actually playing video games. You, it was a little confusing. And meanwhile, everybody's all in on the size of that industry and what that means. And tying like the, the ways the games themselves are completely connected at almost zero latency themselves. And then you add in now the radio network to support that. You're going to see, well, well, we, the industry, try to react to that, watching how the generation that has that tool set shapes its own outcomes. I'm not quite sure we fully appreciate that. Like you'll be able to take and social media has mostly been a file-based experience, right? You upload yeah. to TikTok and Instagram. Yep. With 5G, you're going to be able to take one single live feed in an experience and then make that experience available to tens of devices, hundreds, thousands. It's going to kind of play itself out, a mixture of that to other parts. We, I touched on it briefly, but this NFT and ID, the idea that I can create a digital experience and then make it an original and monetize it, we're going to see how that plays out, but uh, I keep my eye on that space because you will be able to capture, curate, and sign, you know, a digital experience that you had and your friends are watching you down the Grand Canyon and can't, although Grand Canyon will never have the 5G, but something. <laughs> I think there's a, um, there's a big thing around, um, have you, you guys seen that the, the term metaverse is, um, is back with us? 
Um, you know, after sort of what ten years ago, uh, a lot of nonsense about um, you know people opening embassies in Second Life, right? And um, what happened to that? It all kind of um, it uh, did, didn't yeah, kind of kind of went away 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 again, didn't it? The th- the the things that Eric's just been talking about are so powerful because they they finally make things possible in a relatively simple and easy to do way. Because not only is the bandwidth and the 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 the, the, the network. Um, evolved but all the other pieces are kind of they were waiting for the network to catch up right and like and we know how to do ui now both in the consumer level but also our side the media industry like the tools for doing metadata the tools for moving media around the tools for setting up a workflow like mere mortals like me can look at it and go okay this is how i need all these systems to tie together and how i need them to work 15 years ago, I couldn't do it without a massive amount of mm-hmm. IT and uh, broadcast engineer beatings <laughs> to make those two groups of people talk to each other. But, you know, now you really can. That I think usability is a huge point of this. You're right. It's It's not just that the internet is now so much faster with 5G. It's that we have had all this practice time to figure out how to build these systems and make it all work. It feels that way. Yeah, we've, 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 I mean, let's face it, we've, um, we've, we've failed loads of times on, on loads <laughs> of things. But sooner or later, but every time you fail at something, you learn something from it. Ultimately, you, you kind of get to the point where you think, yeah, that thing which was, that was crap 10 years ago. Now, there's a real opportunity that we can do what we want to do. And it's good. And it's not hugely expensive. And people will you know, buy these devices to have in there. You, you've got this device in your, in your hand to make it happen. You don't have to go and get people to buy a separate thing, all that kind of stuff. What is it about the coming of 5G that is most interesting to you, either to your business or to you personally? The least um, kind of out there kind of thing and the most going to happen quickly thing is that in Stadia. In Stadia experience, in Stadia enhancements of what you're doing. and. That for me is the one that started to open my eyes to the fact it's not just about more bandwidth. It's actually about the ease of connectivity, um, uh, the personalized experience, the um, ability to get real time stats, which can go into gambling as Eric um, talked about earlier. Um, But that whole thing of the in-stadia experience is one of my favorite things about 5G. I'll jump on that to follow the thread and say, I think that is going to be super interesting. Um, and is it because it's both going to be impactful? It's going to, you know, change the way we humans interact with things that we like to do to entertain ourselves, but it's very actionable. So it's not like we have to wait for the Star Trek holodeck to come in and finish this all off. And what I'm kind of interested in, because I was, we were really close while we're doing the distribution is that the in-stadium experience can now be connected very broadly to other areas it might not. So if I can go see an in-stadium experience, but watch it in a theater without having to get there or see different things, or maybe that revives Broadway and changes the way I can see a show, or I can see my favorite TV show, Saturday Night Live, from a different perspective behind the scenes, I would pay $100 to go to the theater and watch that happen while someone served me a nice meal and a fine cocktail. And I think that's, and that is the upside of the pandemic is they now deliver cocktails. So the, the <laughs> whole part here is that I, I think that, you know, 
human experiences are going to be extended and in fun ways and very tangible ways that we don't have to wait for, you know, this, even though I completely agree with Steve that 2028 is tomorrow. Um, I would like, you know, I'm looking forward to 2022 and seeing what this stuff all does as it rolls out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that and say the most exciting thing is going to be instant gratification, isn't it? Because that's what it, I mean, that's what it is. The extra bandwidth, the low latency, I mean, you'll be able to send a request and get a response really quickly. And uh, and maybe even I'm looking forward to the next pandemic because um, there probably will be one. Um, but I, I mean, I, the creativity that people have come up with in the last year has been quite incredible. And, and um, you know, talking about the experiences that we can expect with 5G, something that jumps into my mind again from what, what Eric was saying about going to the theatre. I don't know if you heard about this telephone opera stuff. It was something that... Um, uh, Mark Shubin was talking about as part of the HPA conference and things and I mean it just sounds amazing these different sort of immersive experiences that people have come up with and I think the opportunities there with 5G are brilliant I'm not a big sports guy I'm not going to go to a stadium but other things that that kind of have that connectivity element to them yeah it's going to be super I'm going to go slightly more dull actually um, and I, I think the um, I think the the really interesting thing is um, for, for me is, um, is how it's going to potentially change the nature of collaboration we've all suffered quite a lot from not being able to get together um in the um in, during the pandemic but i think um what we have done is um is step forward a little bit in the way that we collaborate remotely ben's right we probably are going to see another pandemic <laughs> much as we don't like it probably not hopefully not for a few years um but um, but also i think the the opportunity for for people around the world to um to, to collaborate together and create new things that come from ubiquitous networking technology like this again at high speed high latency um could be really really interesting we've talked about the democratization of um, of technology and production and the ability to get really good, tell really powerful stories with you know consumer level hardware and consumer level software it's going to be really interesting to see what what people can can make of that when they also add that networking capacity into the mix thank you for being part of this podcast i'm sure i will see you guys at the live event in about a month um, but in the meanwhile thank you for joining thank you for having me uh, thank you very much to everyone who joined us today uh, we really appreciate your time and your thoughts We'd love to continue the conversation with our listeners on the WIG LinkedIn group. So if you're not a member, go over and sign up. It'd be great to get your feedback, comments, and questions from anything we've discussed today or any suggestions for future podcast series. So yeah, please do get in touch. Great. Thanks, Nick. And we'll see you next time. Today's WIG Talks Brilliant or Bust podcast was sponsored by Vidispine, cloud-based media workflow solutions to maximize your media potential. Zixi, the global leader in broadcast quality live video over IP. Object Matrix, the cloud storage people who provide platforms that enable creative and production teams with self-serve access to media content on-premise or remotely from anywhere. Today's contributors were Hawthorne Innovation, helping bring the power of modern artificial intelligence and the cloud to bear on story production, content supply chains, and media systems integration. And Christy King, LLC, a media technology consultancy and content creator.